from uh, yeah, from the smallest room in New York City, sort of comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Occasionally interesting, occasionally enlightening, and, and sometimes a little bit nasty. Hey, Pete Panuccio. Panuccio. I've been saying Panuccio. Your name's Panuccio. Panuccio. You never corrected me. I feel like an idiot. Uh, you're Close enough. Uh, yeah, uh, so, New York City. I'm not there right now. I'm going to be honest. I'm in Tampa, Florida, and it's not bad. It's not bad at all. You're in New York City right now. and uh, I'm at a secret, undisclosed location. Commonly yeah, known as my it, living room. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, the stories that, that are coming out of New York City. Uh, now, I did a Thanksgiving show that uh, never made it made it its way out. I'm going to cover some of that material now because uh, now we're, we're in early December. Uh, I'm a guy... Uh, uh, Pete, uh, you've seen people get pushed onto trains plenty in New York, of course, right? Yeah, it's bad. And it seems as if uh, that it kind of comes in spates. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, it's definitely the flavor of the month this month um, with people getting shoved, you know, but it's... It's all part of the amped-up level of insanity that's going on right now in New York City. A greatly increased number of kooks walking around, and uh, I think as we've seen lately, I, I mean, just some brutal videos of people getting shoved on. Even if you don't get hit by a train, if you yeah. take a header off the platform, that's about a five-foot drop. You're going to get hurt. You're falling onto something that's very nasty, too. It's the first place people... I mean, like, you walk in, what's the first thing you do is you spit, right? Everybody spits down in there. It's filled with rats. It's uh, the, the, the tracks are not soft. It's not a nice pillowy landing, and it's nasty. There's, there's a lot of... Uh, you see water down there. You know, like, yeah, the E-line is always, like, uh, it, it, there's a lot of standing water. You get Zika down there. Uh, but, uh, look, it, 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 you're right, I, and that's something a lot of people don't think about. Like, what, you didn't get hit by a train? You must be fine. No, people can, can break all kinds of bones and stuff. You know, you could be knocked out uh, cold, conceivably, right? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the first one is in violent Brooklyn now, a strap hanger, unsuspecting, defenseless, shoved from behind by a stranger. From the platform onto the tracks, that's Atlantic Avenue, Barclays Center Station. It seems like a lot of stuff kind of happens there. Uh, at the time of the crime, it was the latest in spate of uh, the, the, these attacks. Sunday morning around 1130, a man 29 shoved down where the four and five trains rolled and taken to the 78th Precinct Station House, bruised... Uh, <laughs> bruised minorly, but majorly shaken up uh, in the past month. It's according to the Post. New York's seen multiple uh, people rudely. It says rudely shoved to the tracks. I don't know. Is you know when they yeah, know, rude's not the they, proper word. I think violently I, is a better word. Yeah, yeah, criminally. Uh, and and you know what? That's a guy that's twenty nine years old. What if he was fifty nine or sixty nine? You know what? Yeah, You're going to be hurting. For, for weeks to come with a shot like oh. that. Yeah, a 40-year-old woman pushed from behind. We saw a video of that, and she uh, happened to go into the uh, to the right part of the track bed when the train came, and the train did run over her. I mean, it, you know, the cars rolled over her, but she was not killed. Uh, I'm sure she was uh, at least a little bit injured. That's That's got to be something you have nightmares about at the very, very minimum. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. I've been down on the platform on the on the uh, track bed when 
trains roll by. Um, you think a yeah, subway I've, train? You think a subway train is big when you're standing on the platform? You should see it from ground level, by the track level. Uh, Those things are absolutely massive, and uh, it's going to grind you. You don't even want to think about yeah, it. It's unthinkable. Plus, there's a lot of yeah, nasty I'm shit that sticks out from the side <laughs> of the trains. You have these things called uh, these shoe plates. That is the plate that connects with the third rail. Okay. It will. I've seen people get their heads sliced open when their heads are down by the rail. The uh, and what's funny is now normally there's eight cars attached to a train. Each carriage where the motors are underneath, you know, where the wheels are, there's a motor in there. Uh-huh. There's two sets of carriages on each car. So that means you have four plates sticking out because they go both sides of the train. Uh-huh. All you need is one plate to be touching the third rail. And the whole length of that train is charged. I mean, you could be, the rest of the train could be out in the train yard, not connected, you know, just up front. So those things are hot. Um, There's all sorts of stuff down there. Live wires, there's cables, there's stuff that, you know, if it catches you, you're getting ground up. Yeah. And and, and, yeah, then the electrocution also. Yeah. I forgot to even, uh, yeah, include that in the possibilities. I mean, the third rail, it's it's sort of covered on top, right? It's only open on the side. Am I? I It it has a wooden cover on top. Sometimes they're plastic now. Um, But you get people walking around the tunnels that trip over these things and they fry themselves up. It's dangerous. It's just not stuff you fool with. We've had people die from peeing on the third rail. Yeah, I would. You anticipated my next question, Pete. <laughs> yeah, it'll fry. It'll be the piss of a lifetime. Wow! And so, is is, is that automatic, or is there a chance you might just might get, just, get you might survive you know, blown backwards or something? Electricity is kind of funny because some people will fall on those things and hit them, and they'll get burned, and they won't necessarily get fried. And then you yeah. get other people that get stuck on them, and you cook from the inside out. And, uh, and generally, it will blow a hole in you at some point. The electricity will seek a path of least resistance. So you might, you know, have your hand on the third rail, but it's going to burn a hole up in your shoulder. I don't know much about electricity other than don't fool with it leave it alone (laughs) especially in that high of a concentration in a separate case a cop's collared 23 year old justin pina and a subway shove a 36 year old man waiting for the a well excuse me waiting for the b or d train at the 42nd street bryant park station Uh, allegedly pina a panhandler attacked the strap hanger after the strap hanger refused to fund the panhandlers panhandling around 6 50 p.m pina punished the strap hanging victim with multiple punches and a push to the tracks. You know, panhandler is a funny word. The term panhandle, you know, meaning to beg. Uh, I looked it up. I don't know what this means. It's a test. Yeah, that's, that's from a, oh, really? really? Yeah, that's basically robbery and assault. That's what that well, is. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you do, you know, uh, that that's a big distinction, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. You know, it, it's, we used to lock up aggressive panhandlers. Uh, back in the late 90s, they changed the laws. It was kind of bordering on unconstitutional. <laughs> but it depends on your point of view. If you're a store owner and you have one of these guys standing in front of your store all day or blocking the doorway or holding the door open and then like waving a cup in somebody's face, 
you know, it gets annoying and it's unsettling. And, you know, they're homeless. They stink. Some of them are crazy. I mean, that's enough to chase people away from your business, uh, for sure. Well, it's yeah. it's like the uh, panhandler. I used to, one of my favorites was a guy named James, who his foot post was, as I used to say, was the upper 90s on Madison Avenue. And James was a kook. And he was also, every disease known to mankind, drugs, crack, <laughs> you name it. And this is one of those, like, just keeps on ticking. No matter what happened to him, he kept right on going. James used to go to a French restaurant, and uh, they would give him food. One day they were busy. He wasn't happy with that. It was set down, like, about three, four steps. Nice, quaint little place. And he got pissed off at the manager. And a couple of minutes later, this couple sitting in the window, here's James standing there, whips it out. And starts peeing on the window where these people were trying to dine and oh. laughing like a madman. But we had to go, you know, we would go up there. Another time we got mad at the guy, he shit in the doorway. That's very French. Ex- exactly. Sacre bleu. <laughs> or merd. And um, <laughs> James, James was a pain in the ass, but James Jacques. is always one of these guys. He's, a, you know, every now and then you had to revoke his privileges and tell him, like, listen, bro, you're out of control. You got to get the fuck out of here. Just, stop and uh, he disappeared for about six months like comes back he looks great i said where you been he's like oh, man i says i can't believe how good you look he says yeah man he's i can't wait to get high i'm gonna get drunk and he says, i'm gonna i'm gonna get me some ass and i'm laughing i said hey, you got a girlfriend oh and he got new teeth he goes look at my teeth Brand new set of, you know, the whole mouth, completely redone. I said, that's great. I said, they gave you a, a, a full mouth over in, uh, he says, oh, yeah. You know, taxpayer funded. This guy probably got about $50,000 worth of teeth put in his mouth. You're welcome, James. His first thing, he says, like, man, he says, I'm going to get me some ass tonight. I says, who's your girlfriend? He says, yo, man, ass is ass. He says, I don't care. <laughs> Girl, guy. <laughs> And uh, a dog. He it took him about a week or two um, before he got himself back into his old fighting form, as I used to say. I see him walking across 96th Street one night, and all of a sudden he stands up like real straight, and he starts shaking his leg. So I pulled up. I said, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Oh, I'm having a little problem." I says, "I said, you shit your pants," and he starts <laughs> laughing. Yeah, I'm feeling a little loose tonight. Oh, you filthy animal. Do you shit your pants? Do you shit your pants? James is one of those guys. He's always trying to give you information. You know, like, you know, what's going on in the neighborhood so you leave him alone. Uh, For the same token, anything he gave you, you know, he comes up to me whispering one night. He goes, yo, man. He says, you know all them broken car windows around here lately? I says, yeah, man. Somebody's knocking out a lot of cars. He goes, it's a big white, it's a big guy, white guy walking a dog, <laughs> trying to look like a big white guy walking a dog. Yeah, you don't have a dollar on you, do you? I says, yeah, James. Okay. It was probably James breaking out all the car windows. Right. Yeah. He's got a hot tip on somebody taking a piss on a French restaurant window. Yeah. Yeah. Or he left a steamer on the guy's doorstep. But everybody knew him. Everybody in the neighborhood knew James. 
Yeah, well, who was the guy? Low, low grade infection, you know, that you just got to put up with. <laughs> uh, well put. What's the guy? Uh, there was a guy on the Upper West Side who terrorized the neighborhood for. Larry Hogue. That's the guy. Now, what was his deal? He was around for, uh, it's, I don't know, uh, it, was it decades? Yeah, he was the wild man in 95th Street. Yeah. At that time, that with SROs, that was right around when, right after Cuomo Sr., Sfacin, that was right after he emptied out all the mental institutions and closed them down. So you had these people living in these hotels. Um, Hope was like on 95th Street, Broadway, that area. Completely out of control. And, um, you know, just scaring the shit out of people. He was the subject of, I mean, they did documentaries on this guy. He was in the papers every day. He was a big, intimidating guy. And, uh, you know, he he was such a pain in the ass that when I was in narcotics, they would send us over. We normally didn't work that area. And uh, they were like, oh, you got to go over there today, see if you can get Larry Hogue in a hand-to-hand. And that that wasn't Larry's M.O. They just wanted him off the street. And uh, uh. some of the local cops over there, they knew how to da- handle him because it was basically like, Larry, you're under arrest. Give us any shit. We're gonna, we'll beat the balls off you, all right? He Because this guy was yeah. a huge guy. And... You know, he'd be like, all right, you got me. Looking at a story about his arrest in, uh, what is this, 90, oh, no, 2009. He said, you know, he, uh, he was a drug-addled wacko, terrorized Upper West Siders in the 90s, strolled away from the Creedmoor Psychiatric Center in Queens on Thursday. So I guess that's where he was supposed to stay. He was arrested without incident in his old stomping grounds. Saturday morning after being spotted on 96 between Broadway and Amsterdam before he was put away. Uh, Hogue, he's 65 at that point, menaced the neighborhood around 96th Street. Big, bad, regularly mugged people to support his drug habit. So I guess that would be crack. Yeah, oh yeah. He's probably dead now. I'm almost positive he's dead. I think he I think he finally kicked in the last couple of years. But you know, there were people like that in New York City at that time. Another one was Billy Boggs. Billy Boggs lived on a subway grading on 2nd Avenue and 64th Street. And, you know, she became like the big celebrity cause of the day. And so they get her cleaned up. I guess they got her meds, you know, at some point, kind of straightened out a little bit. She gets cleaned up and is the toast of the town. She's on every talk show. Oh, look at this miraculous recovery, blah, 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 boop. And we helped them. This As soon as the media interest died she was back within a couple of weeks filthy disheveled off her meds back on the subway grade on 66th street so they used her basically they used her there was no long-term care or you know she was just there as, as, as a prop for their agenda i'm reading a story here where she was in uh she walked out of bellevue hospital uh in 19 looks like 1988 Having won her freedom from the psychiatric ward, I'm not insane, she told a judge, just homeless. And she went on to speak at Harvard and appear on 60 Minutes in Donahue. Just as you said, her case was cited by President Reagan as an example of American freedom of choice. All right. She was going to get a job in an apartment, and there was talk of a book or a movie. Today, almost no one knows where she is uh, or what she's doing. Uh, Not those who 
who passed her home on a, yeah, on an east side sidewalk at the agency that pulled her. Okay, so this is one of these human interest kind of stories. Uh, and uh, her niece can't find her. Where is she? Ed Koch's voice. <laughs> Man, they're... <laughs> She's doing fine. This is what it said. Okay, earlier this year, Brown moved into a long-term... Who is Brown? Well... Is Brown this person's real name? Yeah, Billy Boggs. But then, like, uh, they're referring to her as... Uh, why would she speak at Harvard Law School? This is the homeless crisis, a street view. I was a political prisoner, she said. My only problem was I didn't have a place to live. Uh, what's your view on that? Should people be able to just live homeless uh, indefinitely and have the freedom to, to just kind of like camp? Well, I'll tell you, you know, it's funny that a lot of the shelters, some of the shelters are exceptionally well run. Salvation Army does a good job. There's a shelter for veterans over on uh, in Long Island City. Same thing. Well run. They don't put up with any bullshit, especially the veteran shelter. You're not allowed in there if you're drunk or you're high. They do a decent job. You do have people living within the shelter system that have jobs, go to work, but they can't afford a place to live. So, you know, they get up in the morning and they go do whatever it is they got to do. And then at night, they're back in the shelter. Then you have people that are completely out of their minds that should probably not be within the shelter system because the, the, the shelter system's not equipped to medicate these people, you know, to keep them, for the lack of a better term, to keep them straight, you know. Um, it, it's it's weird. You, we used to go, have to walk, we wound up in the Bellevue shelter quite a few times in the, on the midnight shift. Actually, there were a lot of guys there that were mostly older guys that actually decent guys to deal with you know no attitude friendly but then you have people that are just they're so far gone is it right i mean i understand the whole issue people say it's a civil rights issue and some people are just so fucked up they need to be in mental institutions no the only shot that they have is staying in an institution for a set period of time to get themselves back together to get their med straight um i'm not saying you lock them up in there forever but at least keep them there where they can at least get a shot at getting their lives back together. Uh, Billy Boggs was used and abused and trotted out for a couple of months and then completely forgotten. Yeah, same thing happened to my wife. It used to be that they would put them in institutions and they, they kind of would throw away the key, I guess. And then uh, didn't they just empty them out, basically? Uh, Pretty much late 70s. They, but the big guy, I'll tell you what. Geraldo Rivera was the guy that did the expose at Willowbrook, where you had people extremely mentally disabled. I, I mean, really heartbreaking cases, and just laid out, laid out all over this place. Nobody taking care of them, living in utter filth. And Geraldo did a an expose, and a lot of investigations. And people started looking into these places. Civil rights people jumped on it. And, you know, not every place was run like that. Right. And, you know, and then you got a guy like Mario Cuomo, uh, who 
you know, oh, we're going to empty these places out and provide them. That's great. Yeah, you you did you did empty them out, but you didn't put the second half of the equation into the you know, have the facilities set up to take care of these people once they were out. Do you know what it is? It's more liberal bullshit. Yeah, the Cuomos never saw a simple solution that they didn't like. No. You know, something that just oh. We'll just go across the board, let them all out. That sounds politically expedient and popular, but, uh, you know. That reminds me of something else. 16s and 17-year-olds used to be charged as adults for certain crimes, and uh, that doesn't, or they could be anyway. Now that can't happen, is that right? That doesn't happen now. That that was brewing about two, three years ago when they posed changes in the law. And we're all sitting there at work rubbing our heads and saying, this is not good. The only hammer that you had over these kids would be the fact that if you did a street robbery and you got caught, you were going to be charged as an adult, which means you'd either be downtown the tombs or you'd be sent up to a place like Spofford. But your ass was locked up. You weren't loose upon society. And that was the beginning uh, seriously, that was like the beginning of the end of New York City for me. The first step was the ages. It was 16 and 17, but now they're not going to be charged as adults anymore. So who commits most of the crime? It's people in that age bracket. They're the kids out there doing robberies and stuff like that, the violent crimes, shooting each other. So now, you know, another year passes and criminal justice reform is brewing up. I and, mean, you know, we're going to change this. We're gonna... Now nobody goes to jail. Everybody just gets a desk appearance ticket. <laughs> They're all 16 and 17 now. It doesn't even matter what you do anymore. You just, you know, you're not going to jail. Right. Yeah. They herald this as a success, you know, decarceration, as they call it. Fucking de Blasio thinks this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. But you know what? When you're chauffeured around by a half dozen cops every day in your beautiful mansion with a 12-foot fence and cops up the wazoo watching you, it really doesn't affect you. Who's it affecting? It's affecting all the innocent people that are having their, getting the shit kicked out of them and robbed. It's affecting people in these communities where these little bastards are shooting each other left and right. Um, yeah. And that they think they're heralding this like it's great. One of my favorites is this guy, Brad Landa, douchebag. He's a douchebag from Park Slope that took Bill de Blasio's seat. Douchebag. And I was looking at some some of his Twitter stuff today. And I'm like, and I, had, I had words with him. First day I retired, I spoke to him and another city council member at a rally they were having in Brooklyn. And Brad was so out there, so far left. He was, he just wouldn't. Shut the fuck up. And finally, I says, can I get a word in here edgewise? And he goes, oh, 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 yeah. I says, everything that you just said, it's bullshit. <laughs> I says, forget all your linkage with climate change and wealth distribution. I said, okay. I says, some poor bastard sitting on his stoop tonight in Red Hook is going to take a shot in the ass because these little bastards are running around out there with guns. I said, some poor kid in Canarsie is going to get killed. Some kid in Harlem is going to walk into a shootout tonight. I says, this gets repeated across the city all night, every night. I says, spare me all your nonsense and your highfalutin lofty goals. 
I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. People are dying because of laws that you enacted, especially the one with the use of force on the city council. Yeah. So cops basically yeah. cannot do their job. He completely shut down. He let me opine for a few minutes. And then it was like, uh, I got to go. I got another meeting. Uh, you know. Hey, just like a good politician. I mean, he, uh, he must be running for office, right? No, he was running away from me because <laughs> he got reality right in his face. I was with another friend of mine who's also a retired uh, police lieutenant. And there was a, another city councilman there who, who, who shall remain nameless at the moment, but who I've been banging heads with, but even he was like, now do you see what I have to deal with on the city council? He goes, that's how fucking crazy they are. Mm. You know, and this is coming from a fellow leftist. That's how crazy they wow. are. Wow, uh, it, it's it's like the blind leading the stupid, you know. Yeah, they range from completely retarded to mildly retarded. I, I, now, mildly retarded. I'm gonna, I'm not even gonna give them that. You know, they're trying to solve world problems. They're trying to solve the environment. You can't solve the environment. You can't solve racism as a concept. You can't solve income inequality and all that stuff. But what you can solve is taking some people off the streets who are going to hurt people, you know, enforcing the laws that you have, this nuts and bolts shit that they just don't, they can't be bothered to look at. It's a mindset. But that's what's affecting New Yorkers, is the fact that you can no longer walk out of your house and not be worried you're not going to get mugged, your car's going to be broken into, you catch a stray bullet. It sucks. And that's what's right in front of us. And they don't want to see that. They'd rather talk about, like, Greta Thunberg and cows farting and, you know, whatever it is. And I'm like, yeah. hey, guy, you're not one of the masters of the universe. You're a New York City councilman. You're here, all right? Yeah. You, you know, you might have higher aspirations. But right now, you're doing a pretty good job of fucking up day-to-day -day life in New York City. Yeah, head in the clouds. I mean, no, his head is up his ass, uh, you know. <laughs> That's where the clouds are. <laughs> yeah, with methane gas. Brad Lance's head is stuck firmly in his ass. Uh, now, would you be surprised? Okay. <laughs> That's the editorial position of the show, too. So uh, we, we don't even take a step away. Would you be surprised to know the 23-year-old panhandler, Justin Pina, he's not just a panhandler, allegedly, but apparently... Serial Subway Menace, the Post uh, reports that law enforcement had told another subway attack victim that was a retired postal worker who was allegedly slugged in the face on an F train in Chelsea by Justin Pina way back in January that the unhinged shelter resident would soon be back out on the street free to terrorize again. So the cops, they obviously see what's going on. The 73-year-old victim, Anthony Lyon's son, Herman Lung, recalled... So they told us that uh, he's going to get a slap on the wrist, be back on the street, do the exact same thing. It's very upsetting, he said. So the residents... The problem up. is that if you... A 73-year-old man is assaulted, that's like a special category type of assault going after the elderly like that. And it's not the cop's fault. I'm sure some clown in the DA's office is, nah, well, you know, we're not going to go with it. So this guy gets a desk appearance ticket, and he's released. After Jeff, that started January 1st of this year. So he's immediately released. He's back out on the streets. So that's still in the category now that's that's uh, 
bail free. You just you, you you get right out. Even beating up an old person like that. Yeah, pretty much. It shouldn't be. It's a you know assault on an elderly. You know possibly qualify as a hate crime, but. You know, it doesn't seem like anybody's doing too much in the way of uh, prosecuting these days. So, you know. It's gone out of style. Anthony, uh, this guy, Pina, he'll punch the wrong guy one day who will possibly take out a shiv or an ice pick, stab him in the liver, and just walk away. And hopefully he'll never be found again. Except, you know, he'll be stuck with this guy's corpse on the platform because he's not going to stop. He's not going to seek help. They're not going to lock him up. And he'll be shoving somebody else on the train tracks next week. Pete, you're going to love the rest of the story here. Uh, by the way, the 73-year-old victim also has dementia, and he only speaks Cantonese. I guess he's foreign. But uh, he, he allegedly sucker-punched at 30. This is Pina again, right, Pina? Uh, now, I'm going to go through that story. Remember the guy who, uh, it was the panhandler, and when he didn't get the money that he wanted, Punched the guy, it kicked him into the tracks, right? Well, uh, we have a different version of the story now. Uh, and they leave out a, a, a detail here. And this shows you how the media can manipulate stuff. Let's see that the victim was able to pull himself back onto the platform before a train arrived. He suffered only minor injuries to his knee and hands, becoming the latest in the spate of attacks, blah, blah, blah. Now, uh, here's the important part. They call it a random attack. They say that he was uh, attacked randomly now by Pena. You understand? Instead of like being turned down for money, getting pissed off, attacking the guy, like you said, attempted robbery and an assault, now we just have a random attack from a crazy person who needs, you know, he, he needs uh, uh, psychiatric help. Well, it's also, you got to remember, the media is going to amp up the fact, like for the fear factor, they're going to pump that up. Like random violent strikes. And it's not so much random as that he was basically trying to rob this man of his money before he did that. Um, is it random? Maybe how he picked his target? I don't know. But um, the media loves to pump that up, like just people running around. I mean, and there are people running around doing this, but, you know, you know their motto, if it bleeds, it leads. It's as simple as that. It's a scary story. People will eat that shit up. See, I've got a different take on it. I think that they like to separate these uh, cases out instead of saying, like, you know what? These panhandlers out here asking for money are a problem. They might attack you if you don't. I think that it's it's like they're sort of serving as apologists for the panhandlers in, in an effort to be fair. Now, uh, I, 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 the New York Post didn't used to report stuff quite like this in this way, and, and, and I guess they do now, in my opinion anyway. I, but like you say, it serves a dual purpose. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. The um, it, it, it's It's become... I'll tell you what, it, just like where I live, it's it's everywhere. And what pisses me the more the most is that people will ask you, oh, can you spare it? You know, can you give me a dollar or whatever? I don't like being a dick to people. Or so people will ask you for a cigarette or whatever. Oh, I love being a dick to people. And then they don't say thank you. That just oh, no. royally pisses me off, you know. And if you, the couple of times I've said, you're welcome, you know, they turn around and they give you the hairy eye and, you know, now you realize you're about to get into a fist fight. Yeah. You know? and it, it, I don't want to be mean to people. I don't like being like that. 
No, no, of course not. Of course not. But the, a little politeness goes a long way. I was hanging out with a guy named Urban Tarzan, who's like a uh, an animal, uh, what do you call it, uh, wrangler. He's an animal wrangler for movies and stuff like that. And, he, and he's, you know, whatever. A homeless person asked him, you know, hit him up for money, a cigarette or something like that. He gave him $10, gave this, gave this woman $10. And the woman... seemed to admonish him a little bit and said, uh, you know, you're lucky that you uh, got a job that you get to work for money like that. That was the thank thank you. She told him how lucky he was to to have $10 to give her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would have used some bad language. I I would have. (laughs) It's It's a major problem. And like you said, the the media is trying to play it both ways. Yeah. Uh, Now, Pina spent four years from age 18 until shortly before uh, the the, the attack that he had done in January in jail on a gun possession rap. And now I'm going to tell you what the mother says, okay? She says, society did not do nothing for my son after learning from a reporter that he'd been jailed in connection to a second attack. Now, I don't think that that's fair to say. Society put him in jail for four years, you know? Uh, they provided that space for him. They provided that's what that society space. supposed to do when you get caught with an illegal handgun. Exactly. Four, if you did four years for an illegal handgun, there's more to that story. Definitely. <laughs> she says, help my son, please, she begged. If you help him, he would not get in trouble. She said, I told them, keep him in the hospital. If you keep him in a hospital, he will get medicated and he will not get violent. She's uh, said from her two-bedroom apartment in uh, the Bronx, where she saves good memories of her son in a shoebox of photographs. <laughs> oh, that, that just brings a tear to my eye. Oh, it's a place, uh, a place of, of honor, honor, of course. Of course yeah. uh, but in the street, he will not be medicated. He will not take his medication he didn't take it with me. He didn't take it when he was a baby. What makes him think he will take it in the streets? She could not control the baby. <laughs> and blame his father. He says, your father didn't do the right thing by my son. Right. Well, I mean, if you can't get a baby to take his medication, you know, you got to look to the mother. Yes. He didn't, he didn't take, take it when, it when he, was he was a baby. baby. And, what, and what kind of baby needs uh, lithium or something? You know, I mean, like, what, what kind of medication... Maybe she, what he had the croup or something. I don't know. This guy's probably been running amok. How old was he? 34? He's, he's 23 years old. 23? He's been running amok for 22 years. Uh, I can guarantee it. Just, <laughs> you know, but it's your fault. It's my fault. It's everybody else's fault. Yeah, here it says, yeah, uh, Pena allegedly sucker punched a 36-year-old stranger multiple times on a platform of the 42nd Street Bryant Park and then shoved the randomly targeted man onto the tracks. So they leave the panhandling park completely out. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm tired of talking about these subway attacks just about, but some of them are pretty are pretty rough. And, 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 and people who are mentally ill and on the streets, this is like, uh, it's a major problem what do you think it's worse now uh, or do you think it was worse with the with the william hoags and the and the it wife? seems to be worse now i don't know what the statistics are number wise you remember new york city in 1985 the entire place was a shithole oh. kind of like we are now but you know back then it was crack was just hitting we have this massive drug drug epidemic violence and it was just getting started it got a lot worse by 1990 oh. and you know so there were homeless people around 
but it was not as prevalent as, as like what would like now we're just seeing these monster encampments and people laid out everywhere. I think it's definitely gotten a lot worse. And and the fact you know, that they have 140 hotels where we're now warehousing these people in Manhattan. Do you think they get room service? It's a possibility. Um, all I know <laughs> is that I, I think I may have told you the story. It was one of my last jobs as a hostage negotiator, and I had to go up to the 14th floor. And I get on the and I'm wearing all my regalia. I got my heavy vest on, my helmet. And you're on the elevator, and the elevator goes up one floor, and this guy gets on the elevator in his underwear. Now, I have no idea this is a homeless hotel yet. They just started doing it. And I'm looking over at him. He's scratching his balls. And the elevator goes up. I get off at 14. There's a whole ton of cops on the floor. And there's two young cops there from the precinct. And they, they know me. They're looking at me. I'm looking at them. We're all looking at the kook. And we all start laughing. I get off the elevator and I'm like, what the fuck was that? I, I said, this guy's there in his dirty ass underwear. He says, hey, Sarge, the entire hotel is now rented out for homeless people or people claiming to have COVID issues. And uh, as it turned out, it was, uh, as there were two men in a room, uh, one of whom was smoking meth. And the guy who actually had the room picks this guy up in the street to take him back to the room to have sex. What, he had a couple girls back there or something? Or? Oh, these weren't girls. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so, but what happens is, I says, okay, I asked this guy, he says, all right, where do you live? He goes, well, I'm from Newark, New Jersey. I says, okay, why aren't you out in Newark, New Jersey? And basically, it was due to the advertising that he's seen in the subways and on television. You know, if you have a COVID issue or you're homeless... You know, New York City Department of Homeless Services will put you up for a night. So you're advertising this. You got this guy coming in here from Newark, hanging out, get his buzz on, hook up with another dude in a hotel that would cost you or I 400 bucks for the night. But now, yeah. And that's no sex and no meth, right? No, they don't guarantee that part. But uh, you have a nice, clean room. But. Even if you would keep these people in there, if they're there for three months or whatever it is, they're still fucking crazy, all right? And But then you add in the fact that, hey, man, you don't think this guy and every other homeless dude over in Newark, New Jersey, saying, yo, man, let's go stay at the plaza tonight, you know? <laughs> not that the plaza's involved in this. They're not. Uh, that would um, be great. That would be great. But you think of the concurrent issues that go along with this. You have people that are traveling with communicable diseases, with TB and stuff, with COVID. Uh, you have the secondary issue of lice and bed bugs and all the shit that travels with them. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. You just polluted a brand new hotel. Wrecked. Yeah. And uh, yeah, multiply, and multiply that by 140. Oh, my God. That's how many hotels they're doing. And many of them are not potty trained, you know? I mean, the, I'm sure of that. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how a hotel must do. They must be ambivalent about that because the whole thing's rented out, right? Well, they, look at it this way. They're getting a paycheck from the city. Right. If anything gets really bad, they're going to call the cops anyway. 
So it doesn't so matter. It just turns into a, an insane hotel of of madness. Like a, it's a fun house. Yeah, and on that particular block, there were two very large hotels. And the cops are telling me once after they filled me in on this, they later on it was like he says, "Yeah, we're in and out of here two, three times a night now, dealing with crazy people." Huh. Huh. In a precinct like that, it has fifteen or twenty of these places, and uh, you know the numbers become staggering. The city says they're only laying out about three million a day for this, which I say bullshit. I don't buy that at all. Three million a day is all. That's a lot. Even the fake number is a lot. That's a lot. Three million a day. I mean, I know New York City, everything's billions. There's a huge budget. Three million a day. How can a city possibly lay out three million dollars a day? Is it federally? Uh, is there federal money in there too? No, I'm sure they're planning on getting federal money for it. But then, like I said, anybody that walks in and says, "Oh, I need a hotel room," you're going to get one. Wow. Wow. So it's, wow. it's insanity. Well, that's the good part of it is a shelter has to take you, you know. I mean, like, uh, and when I was married, that was it could be helpful, you know, because if the wife and I, you know, got into too much of a, you know, started to feel a little confined, I could just say, hey, beat it. Go to the homeless shelter for the night, you know. There you go. You'll show up. <laughs> now, uh... Uh, here's one more subway story because this is pretty interesting. A turnstile jumper busted in Brooklyn uh, with a drugstore's worth of Xanax and oxycodone. He had more than enough money, sixteen hundred dollars to cover the two seventy five fare. Well, uh, that people don't jump the they don't jump the turnstile because they have to. They do it because they can. Bilali Nadongo, twenty five, caught red handed Saturday afternoon. He dodged the fare at the station Nostrand Avenue and Fulton Street in Bedlam Crimeisant. So to make matters worse for him, yes, he had an outstanding warrant, apparently, for having failed to appear in court over charges uh, from an April. See, this is good old-fashioned broken windows uh, style uh, policing. Uh, Broken windows is the wrong word, but uh, or or is it? No, you're 100% right. Listen, in 1991, when Bratton took over the transit police, the subway system was out of control with violent crime. So he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start locking people up that jump the turnstiles. Because you know what? They carry guns. They carry drugs. They have warrants. They do stupid shit. I mean, they're criminals. They can't help themselves. So now, all of a sudden, some of your key players in the subway, you know, the bad guys, they're all getting locked up. And they're like, oh, shit, man. Like, transit police ain't fooling around here. And... What happens? Crime plummeted in the subway. Basic, common sense police work. And now, I mean, you even you can go into some train stations, good neighborhoods, and people are just walking through, jumping a turnstile. They, you know, they don't give a shit because nobody's enforcing it. On a rare occasion, somebody's saying, "Hey, yo," and they're getting a ticket. Um, but you get a guy like this, Balali Nadongo, 25. <laughs> Here's a guy, and that's just the start of his day, you know, his day of drug dealing, whatever it is he does. But how does he start his day? He wakes up, you know, gets dressed and goes to work, which in his business, uh, is dealing drugs. But if you had half a fucking brain, you would get a Metro card. 
because you're carrying all this stuff on you. Write it off on your taxes, you know. Uh, yeah, but if it was two years ago, his ass would be going in jail. He'd be sitting in Rikers Island for a couple of months. Now, who knows? Maybe a day, maybe a week. He's back out. He had marijuana on him all in that incident, uh, the incident from before, which he uh, he's accused of dousing the April 2019 incident for which there was a warrant. He's accused of arguing uh, and dousing somebody with coffee, kicking their car. Uh, and he had marijuana on him then. Uh, in addition, uh, the pot transit cops, in addition to pot, sorry, it's late, Pete, uh, they found uh, in, his, in his messenger bag uh, eight ecstasy pills, 164 oxycodone, 500 Xanax, and another 17 baggies of Xanax. Wow, that is enough. That's enough Xanax to, to tranquilize a whole hotel full of homeless people. Uh, you ain't uh, kidding. A jar of hashish, psychedelic mushrooms, two scales, and fifteen hundred dollars, fifteen hundred ninety-eight dollars and eighty cents. Wow, that is very specific. I think he was just on his way to Gracie Mansion. He was just hooking the mayor up for the weekend. <laughs> Probably the mayor's guy. Yeah, I would not doubt it a bit. You know, I mean, look, have you noticed that the mayor only so talks about COVID? And safety. That's the only. That's the only. He's completely abdicated any responsibility to discuss any other issues. Uh, even Dinkins wouldn't do that, right? No, no, Dinkins was a more. May he rest in peace. He just passed away a couple of days ago. Uh, R.I.P. But no, that's he, you. Sit there and you listen to the De Blasio go on about COVID. The only thing worse than listening to De Blasio go on about COVID is listening to Cuomo on about COVID. I mean, it's it's a root canal. But where he comes off talking about safety, he should really, really shut his pie hole. That's where I think that this guy's a sociopath. He just has, he's completely abandoned safety in New York City. Oh, yeah, he's wrecked it. He's done everything he can to destroy the very concept of safety. Well, that's with the, with the liberal Marxist shitbirds the way they are. When everybody gets brought down to the same level of misery, then they know they have achieved their success. That's their, that's their baseline. That's what they want. Because they're all equal. We're all equal. So let's all live in shit and deal with this and, you know... You know, a lot of people break their ass to build better lives for themselves, to move to better neighborhoods, and they work hard. And then in six years, you have this jerk off, the ass clown mayor, completely destroy that. And raise your taxes through the roof. Reverse the whole damn thing. Yeah, reverse the whole damn thing. Everything that your Ralph Friedman's worked for and, uh, you know, uh, the officers. Yourself, Pete, for God's sake, all these uh, many years. Now you saved lives. That's a done deal. Imagine how bad it would have been had you guys not been out there doing it right all those years. So it's just that we're going in a different direction now. And people are bailing. You know, the city is... Uh, well, we were, we were heading in the direction of a totally destroyed city, a place like Detroit, you know. And these were good cities at one time that, you know, provided manufacturing, they provided jobs. I mean, they were functioning cities and they're destroyed. They're annihilated. Cities like Baltimore. Well, Philadelphia. A large extent, this city and Philly. See? What's the main theme in every one of those cities during their decline? Well, I, Democratic run 
Shit and look at the look at the damage that this guy's done in six it's years. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, you would not think some bozo like that would affect literally tens of millions of lives, hundreds of millions of lives. I mean, you know, an untold number of lives are actually affected down the line by what he's done. Uh, and, you know, the, the president says it's an anarchic uh, city now. You know, he doesn't want to even. COVID gave him a lot more leeway to do things and impose things and. Uh... More power to him, more power to control people. All the like, COVID was like a wet dream for this guy, where he could yeah. just amp things up that much further. Yeah. Like did you already Robocop? fucked the city up pretty good in 2019. Well, now you really did a number on it by 2020. Now we can just make it up as we go. We don't have to justify anything except to say it's for safety. We'll have people reporting on each other. This will be great, and uh, you know, close businesses at will. Arbitrary rules. People have to have a mask on when they walk. I went into a cheesecake factory the other night, me and uh, my girl there. They said, put on these masks. We walked 10 feet over to a table and took our damn masks off. Uh, now, look, I'm not a medical person, but I don't know that it, that it, the possibility of transmission was so much greater as we walked towards 10 feet towards the table. Uh, the arbitrary nature, I think, is supposed to demoralize you anyway. Uh, you know... Did, did you see RoboCop? Oh, sure. Years ago. Wasn't it great? Well, we need to let a few of those loose in the city. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> he only has three directives, right? Somebody was telling me about a sequel uh, to the movie, and I, I he didn't know if it was two or three, but he said, that they, they go, well, why don't we make him nicer? Why do we have to, why does he have to be so, why did he have to shoot all the time? Why can't he do this? Why, they gave him 400 directives, and then he just starts going haywire. And I, that's well, the situation, know, situation now, right? You could always go for a little bit more personality, like in Terminator 2, where uh, <laughs> the kid tells him, you can't kill anybody, just shoot him in the leg. And, uh, uh, you know, and he just walks through Los Angeles, popping people's kneecaps left and right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's you getting shot in the leg. It's no picnic. <laughs> it's no picnic, I'm sure. You ever been shot, Pete? No, 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 no. Good. Yeah. yeah. No. Hopefully, me neither. Oh, Jesus. It's driving me crazy now because I used to remember the name of the guy in Robocop who, uh, Clarence, what was it? Clarence Bodica was the perpetrator in that? The, uh, the red haired guy, the, the one that goes, uh, bitches, leave. Yeah, the he was he, he he was in that '70s show, right? Oh shit, that's the guy. You're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're 100 percent right. That's yeah. the guy. He's also in a show called The Patriot. I've only seen him in a couple of things. One more quick news story here uh, before we get on another. By the way, we discussed a movie on Crime Report the other day that it just popped into my mind because of a story we we're covering about a woman in Sweden and all this kind of stuff. Because we do that kind of thing on Crime Report. It's international and. Uh, Bad Ronald was the movie, and I, the, the the speed at which you recalled that movie, I was like, "This is this is uh, that, was a, that was a sick movie, man." I remember that. That was the guy living under when when you started showing the film clip of him being mm-hmm. under the stairs, and I remember the end of the movie with the eyeball peeking out and uh, him bursting out of the wall. That was great. That yeah, was, and. and, and, and it's an odd movie. It's a very odd movie, and and he's he, it's creepier than the, than they even made it look in in the recap there. But uh, 
Dabney Coleman, you know, he looks like he's about uh, 28, 21 years old, yeah, 30. He's, he's like a, a very young Dabney Coleman. So uh, you even said, you, you what did you say? It was a movie of the week or something like that? Like a, yeah, uh, I think it was like the ABC movie of the week. They used to put <laughs> crazy shit on every week. They would have like the Tuesday night, you know, movie of the week. Some of them were actually pretty good. Some of them were, uh, I remember that one. I remember that one, the guy being under the stairs. Uh, yeah, that was just creepy. That that whole thing was just, you know, the guy's a perv. It's amazing it got made, kind of. You know, it really is. It, it, it was the boy in the plastic bubble. Was that one of those movie of the week deals? Yeah, yeah, movie it was. The, yeah, and then and then they had the Sunday night movie, which was like McLeod and uh, Darren McGavin was somebody. Yeah, Darren McGavin played. Uh, some, uh, Darren McGavin was Darren God. McGavin yeah, was Darren somebody. McGavin. Yeah, Darren played, McGavin. Uh, Darren, played, McGavin uh, Darren McGavin was in the Night Stalker. Night Stalker. Exactly. Night Stalker. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I thought it was an excellent show. It was interesting. I saw one episode. I saw of it one, and one like, episode of it, and it was like, man, they're they're getting, they get, man, they're, they're they get pretty cute with this stuff. Uh, Columbo was the kind of the maybe the breakout. Uh, one Columbo was that. only on for quite a few years at that point. Um, there was a whole bunch of them back then. And you know what? Streets of San Francisco. Michael Douglas was another one, but which was his breakout. That that's that one. I did not. I I have heard of, but I never. I did never get to watch. But as a detective. When you see Columbo uh, and his manner and all, I mean, do you relate to that at all? Is there, I, I know it's a fun show, but it'd be <laughs> of course it does. Because you know what? I used to have the same rumpled, beat-up raincoat, you know? And uh, did I say, oh, and one more thing? Pete, again, thanks for your time. Uh, and uh, follow Pete the Cop. Uh, have a good one, Pete. All right. Thanks for listening to New York City Crime Reports. Bitches, leave. <laughs> <laughs>